Romans 11, the Apostle Paul recognizes five reasons God is not through with the Jews. Paul became the Apostle to the Gentiles, and you and I are reading from a Jew who wrote to us the book of Romans, and, and we're listening to it today, and we're being blessed by the mysterious plan of God. But God says, listen, that came about in a strange way when the Jews turned from the gospel, and uh, we Gentiles are blessed. Welcome to Love Worth Finding, featuring the dynamic biblical lessons and insights of pastor, teacher, and author Adrian Rogers. No matter how bleak it may seem for Israel in these gloriously dark days, God has not forgotten His covenant with His chosen nation. He is the one who preserves Israel. In part one of today's message, we learned that God has a magnificent plan to bring back Israel. And by providing their salvation and allowing them to live godly lives, God uses the Gentiles to show the Jews the joy, love, faith, and victory we have in Christ. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 11 as Adrian Rogers shares part two of Is God Through with the Jews? Today is a message that deals in many ways with Bible prophecy, and it deals with the land of Israel. The title of the message is God Through with the Jew. Now, you may say, what does that have to do with me? I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile. Well, it has everything to do with you. And friend, it has everything to do with Bible prophecy. Almost 100% of the Bible prophecies are related to Israel, the land, and the people. So, you need to listen up today because you're going to learn something that will be an encouragement to you. Now, I say that Israel, the nation Israel, is the focal point in today's world. Uh, Israel is in the headlines of every newspaper, not only in America, but around the world. The eyes of the world are focused on the little nation of Israel. And well, they should be, for Israel is the land and the people of destiny. As the Jew goes, so goes the world. Israel is God's yardstick, God's outline, God's blueprint, God's program, and God's prophecy uh, for all of the other nations of the world. Now, Paul has been talking about God's plan and how it includes the Gentile. And some of the Jews may have been asking, well, what about us? What about the promises that God has made to us? And so Paul asked a rhetorical question in chapter 11 and verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. Now he's saying, I'm not finished with the Jew. I have not cast away my people. I have not been unfaithful. I have not broken my promises. I have not altered my covenants. I have not forgotten my word. Paul says, God forbid that God could ever do that. And so Paul is going to show us in just a moment that God is not finished with the Jew. Now, if you don't think that Israel can come to Christ, you don't understand the power of God. The same power that convicted the Apostle Paul is the power that will bring them to Jesus. Now, God is carefully preserving His people. I want to give you a great passage to put in your margin. This is one of the greatest passages in the Bible, in my estimation. It's found in Psalm 89, and it's talking about God's irrevocable covenant and promise to David. Now, this is what he says to King David, beginning in verse 27. Also I will make him, he's talking now about David, also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. And this is a prophecy for David's greater son, the Lord Jesus, when every knee shall bow. My mercy will I keep with him forevermore. Just underscore evermore. 
My covenant shall stand fast with him, his seed, that is, his descendants, also will I make to endure forever. Underscore that, endure forever. And his throne as the days of heaven. Now he talks about David's descendants, his seed, and he says this, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, and by the way, they did forsake God's law, and if they break my statutes, and they have broken his statutes, and keep not my commandments, and they have not kept them, God says, Then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. God said, I'll take them to the woodshed, and boy, he has done that. But notice the nevertheless in verse 33. And friend, just underscore that in your Bible. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven. And then he says, Selah. What does that mean? It means just think about that. Selah means just ponder that. God is saying, look, I have made a promise to David if his descendants, if they break my laws, if they won't keep my statutes, then uh, they're going to be punished. But I am going to keep my word. God has always had a remnant. And this nation is God-elected, God-decreed, and God-preserved. God prophesied that they would be disobedient, they would be dispersed, they would be discredited, but they would not be destroyed. And so what you see is the convicting power of God. What you see is the continuing preservation of God. And then I want you to see what I'm going to call the controlling plan of God. Because, see, God has a plan. Now watch this. Begin in verse 11. And see what he says here in verse 11 of chapter 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Talking about the Jews. God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God let the Gentiles get saved so that we could live godly lives and cause Jews to want what we have. That's what he's saying here, that he would see in us uh, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says in verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Now what's he saying? He's saying, look, in my plan, I had a Jewish Messiah. Uh, the Jews rejected him. But that gave me the platform to go to the Gentiles, and Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. And you and I are reading from a Jew who wrote to us the book of Romans, and, and we are listening to it today, and we're being blessed by the mysterious plan of God. But God says, listen, that came about in a strange way when the Jews turned from the gospel, and uh, we Gentiles are blessed. But now notice what he's saying. I want you to listen to his inference here. He's saying, listen, if God kept his word to the Gentiles, and he did keep his word to the Gentiles, remember that Israel was not to be just simply a, 
a reservoir into which God poured His blessings, but it was to be a pipeline through which God would disperse His blessings. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, through you all the nations of the world should be blessed. What God is saying is this, if I have prophesied that the Gentiles would be saved and they have been saved, how much more then will I keep my word to Israel and bring them back to me? Notice in verse 12 there is a fullness coming for Israel. Do you see that? He says, uh, God forbid, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. Listen to what he's saying. In verse 15 he speaks of their receiving. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? What is the point? What is the point? Listen to the point. You have to follow Paul's logic. Paul is saying that God is doing all of this according to a magnificent plan. And they were diminished. They fell away. But he's saying they will come back. They are diminished now, but they will be full. They went away, but they will be received. And what God is saying is, if I kept my word to the Gentiles, I'm going to keep my word to the Jew. And if I could take unsaved pagan Gentiles and bring them to Israel's Messiah, how much more can I take Israel and bring Israel to her own Messiah? Now, here's the next thing. Not only the power of God, the preservation of God, the plan of God, but the continuing promise of God. That's the next thing. Notice, if you will, in verse 16 of this same chapter. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now, what he's talking here is the covenant that he made with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob. In the Old Testament, when there would be a, a woman would be baking bread, according to Old Testament law, she had to take a pinch of that dough and offer it up to God. Numbers tells us about that. She'd take part of that dough and offer it to God. It belonged to God. Now, that lump meant that the whole lump was holy because that pinch of dough had been offered to God. All of the bread belonged to God who gives us our daily bread. And then he says also the same thing, that if the root be holy, so are the branches. That is, the tree is going to be like the roots of the tree. Now, what he's saying is this, that God made promises to Abraham. God made a covenant, an unbreakable covenant with Abraham. And so, if, if that little lump of dough, Abraham, was holy, all the loaf belongs to me, God is saying. And if Abraham, the root, is mine, the tree is mine. Now, what God is simply saying is this, I am going to keep my covenant promise to Abraham. And God has not broken His promise, and God cannot break His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, Abraham is the tree, and we who are Gentiles have simply been grafted in. Look in 17 and 18 of this. And if some of the branches be broken off, that's unbelieving Jews, and thou being a wild olive tree, that's you, mister, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, remember, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, hey friend, we have entered into Israel's blessings. We're just grafted in. That's all we are. We are the wild olive. Uh, the Jews are the true thing. And so what he is saying is this, that if I can take unbelieving pagans and make believers out of them, how much more can I bring Jews to their true Messiah? I was speaking to some Jewish rabbis, and by the way, I love Jewish rabbis. They are witty, charming, delightful, and very intelligent. And they were saying, uh, we don't think you ought to proselytize us. 
I said, look, folks, you proselytize me. You proselytize me. I belong in that olive tree only by the grace of God. I'm rooted in Abraham, just as, as every Jew is rooted in Abraham. Is this getting too deep for you? I hope not. Let's move on to the third thing here. And that is the culminating purpose of God. What is the culminating purpose of God? What is God aiming at? Well, begin in verse 25. And he says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, he's not talking here about spiritual Israel. He's talking about natural Israel. God never calls spiritual Israel Jacob. He's talking about literal fleshly Jews here. Now, let me tell you how God is going to consummate His purpose and His plan with the Jews. Now, be very alert right now. How's God going to do it? Number one, He's going to do it in His time. Now, look in verse 25. Look at it now. So, your eyes can see it. I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part, the blindness is not total and it is not final, blindness in part has happened to Israel until, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. If you want to get a blessing sometime, just study the untils in the Bible. Just study the untils. God does things in His time, whether you like it or not. God has a purpose. God is visiting the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. That's what the book of Acts says. And afterward He's going to return and build again the tabernacle of David. He does it until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. What is the fullness of the Gentiles? That's the church. One of these days the church is going to be complete. When will the church be complete? When will the last soul be saved? I don't know when the last soul will be saved, but when the last soul is saved, that will be the fullness of the Gentiles. There's a number known to God alone. I don't know, you don't know, nobody knows when that last soul is going to be saved, but the Bible tells us that God is going to do it in His time, and blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So, number one, it is in His time. Number two, it is through His Son. Look, if you will, now in verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Who is the Deliverer? His name is Jesus. Just in the darkest hour for Israel, this is when they're going to look upon Him whom they have pierced. This is what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9, it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon Me whom they have pierced. That's what he's talking about right here. The Deliverer shall come out of Zion. Then he says in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. What is that fountain? There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. So number one, listen, it is in His time, number two, through His Son. Now next, according 
to His Word. Look, if you will, in verse 27 now. This is my covenant unto them. That means an unbreakable promise. When I shall take away their sins, as concerning the gospel, their enemies, for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. That is, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now, what does that mean? God keeps His Word. God is not a liar. If God says He's going to do it, He's going to do it. You say, I don't understand it. You don't change it. You say, I, I don't believe it. That doesn't make any difference. God will keep His Word. It is in God's time. It is through God's Son. It is according to God's Word. Now, next of all, I want you to notice, it is by God's grace. Begin in verse 30 and look at this. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that He might have mercy upon how many? Upon all. Again, don't get the idea that God only wants some people saved. God says all are unbelievers, and God says, I want mercy upon all. But the point is that God is going to do this just out of sheer grace. And remember that over there in verse 6, and if by grace it is no more works, otherwise grace is no more grace. And if by works it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What does he mean by that? I'm just going to do it by my grace. I mean, this is the sovereign God who is going to do this. It is through his Son, friend, it is by his grace, and finally it is for his glory. Look at this in verses 33 through 36. Paul just gets through writing. I can just see him as he wipes his tears. And he just, he throws up his hands and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it should be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, you say, Pastor Rogers, I don't understand predestination. I don't understand election. I don't understand uh, foreknowledge. I don't understand all of this. Well, help yourself. Neither do I. <laughs> and not anybody out there who does. You know how I know? The Apostle Paul didn't know. He said, who can understand this? Who has been God's counselor? His ways are past finding out. So why don't you quit trying and begin to live by the Word of God, what God has revealed to you. You say, I don't understand how there can be an election and God can know ahead of time and yet man has a free will. Just believe it. Not up to you to synthesize these things. It's not up to you to put these things together. You just simply believe. When the Bible says, whosoever will may come, believe it. And when the Bible says that God wants to have mercy upon all, believe it. And when the Bible says Christ died for the whole world, believe it. And just say, who can understand the ways of God, the mind of God? And right here in this passage of Scripture, I want to tell you something, folks. Theology turns to doxology. 
<laughs> what a mighty God. What a mighty God. But what he is showing is this, that God is not finished with the Jew. He shows the power of God that convicted him. That's going to happen to the Jew one time. He shows the preservation of God that kept that remnant in Elijah's day and how God is preserving the Jews today. He shows the plan of God, incredible. The Jews turn from him, but Paul turned to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles get saved, and then the Jews are going to come back, and a great number of them are going to get saved. And then he talks about the promises of God, that God has made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham is the root. The root is holy, so is the tree. That first lump belongs to God, so does the whole loaf of bread belong to God. Now, that's the promise of God. God will not break His promise. And then finally, the purpose of God. So all Israel shall be saved. Doesn't mean every Jew will be saved. It means those who trust in Him are the true Israel. They're going to be saved, whether they're Jew or Gentile. They're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is God through with a Jew? God forbid. And He's not through with you either. If you want Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, let me help you to pray right now so you can be saved. Would you pray like this, dear God, I am a sinner. Now, folks, you'll never get saved until you come that far. I am a sinner. And my sin deserves judgment. But I need and I want mercy. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah of Israel the Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord, that I could be grafted into that olive tree. Lord Jesus, now, right now, right now, I open my heart. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Save me, Jesus. Did you pray that? Then by faith, pray this way, thank you for saving me. I don't look for a sign. I don't ask for a feeling. I stand upon your word. You said if I would trust you, you would save me. Thank you for saving me. And now, Lord Jesus, give me the courage to make it public. Help me never to be ashamed of you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you've prayed to receive Jesus just now, we would love to celebrate with you and invite you to our Find God's Love page at the website. There you'll discover answers you may need about your newfound faith. Go to lwf.org radio and click the tab at the top that says Find God's Love. Welcome to the family of God. We can't wait to hear from you today. Now, if you'd like to order a copy of this message in its entirety, call us at 1-877-LOVE-GOD and mention the title, Is God Through with the Jews? This message is also part of the insightful series, Foundations for Our Faith. For the complete three-volume collection, all 27 powerful messages, call 877-LOVE-GOD, or you can order online at lwf.org radio. Or write us at Love Worth Finding, Box 38600, Memphis, Tennessee, 38183. You may not know you can also purchase our new Bible studies, much like this message, in our online store. For more, go to the website, again, lwf.org radio. 
Well, these are exciting days as God is dramatically appearing in the life of his beloved nation and land. His prophetic promises are becoming a reality. There's never been a better time to trust in the Lord Jesus and to pray for Israel as the days become gloriously dark. We hope you'll join us next time for more from Adrian Rogers right here on Love Worth Finding. Here's a Facebook post from a listener referring to Pastor Rogers. We look forward to watching him each Sunday before we go to church. His messages ring so true today. I never cease to be amazed how God continues to use Dr. Rogers. Well, at Love Worth Finding, our mission is to continue his mission, which is to draw people to Jesus and help believers grow deeper in their faith. To thank you for your support right now, we'd love to send you our new More Than Conquerors Bible study. The book of Romans has been called the Constitution of Christianity. In this study, Adrian Rogers reveals the basics of our faith and how to enjoy a victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can request this resource, the More Than Conquerors Bible study, when you call with a gift at 1-877-LOVE-GOD or give online at lwf.org slash radio. And thanks for your generous support of Love Worth Finding.